0: For those that don't know me, um, just want to give a little introduction of myself, obviously there's uh, many familiar faces here, uh, but uh, I grew up in New Mexico, my parents there worked with the Navajo Indians, and uh, then uh, my wife Hannah, uh, she is, would be related to Zach and Caleb and Josiah Reed, um, uh, she's from Maine, so we met here in the middle in Wisconsin. And uh, we have a little girl named Jenny. And uh, if you haven't met her and you're a college guy, you probably will meet her in the hallway saying hi somewhere along the way. Uh, one of the uh, royalty boys, I don't remember which one, was passing her in the hallway. And she's learning to give high fives. And uh, she put out her hand and he just, as a good BCM student, kept on going not to give a high five. <laughs> she was very disappointed by that. And we've got to work with her to why that is the case. But uh, she's very friendly. My wife will go out shopping, um, and you know just the nature of different people that you pass and everything, and it doesn't matter who it is, usually the biggest, roughest guys are the ones that she's saying hi to, and so she'll sit there and say hi, and she wants a response back, and it'll be from just total random strangers, and my wife will have to also say hi to them as well, so it gives us all great opportunities to interact uh, with different individuals, um, and then also, I am related to some different ones uh, here. You have uh, Sheree Coleman uh, is my is my younger sister, and uh, then as well uh, Matthew Forster. He's not my dad, in case you were wondering. <laughs> He's my brother. I've had college students come up to me and say, "Hey, I met your I passed your dad in the hallway," and <laughs> it kind of surprised me because it was a surprise visit from my dad, if that was the case. Um, but that he is my brother uh, by ten years and. Um, so that is a little bit there of some of the connections and we've had, uh, also have other cousins that have uh, been here and you may know as well, uh, Thomas who's here for seminary class is also one of those. So uh, definitely have uh, some relations around. Uh, I was talking with someone else uh, recently trying to put the connections together and hopefully this is, hopefully this is okay that I say this, but my brother, my brother Caleb and also my wife has a brother Caleb, so our two brothers married sisters were Swansons, and don't think too hard about that. It was all legal, but um, <laughs> our brothers married sisters, so uh, I was explaining that connection all the way around, and uh, really is a blessing, though, to uh, uh, just be married to my wife, Anna, uh, definitely both through uh, the ministry and in my personal life has been uh, just a huge help and challenge, and honestly, even today, uh, what I get to speak on, uh, she's helped uh, in my thinking and uh, to be able to present it. I'd like to talk today about being too busy being successful that we forget to abide. Being too busy being successful that we forget to abide. I think if we were to have a daily interactive relationship with an eternal God, it keeps us from a skewed perspective of success. Um, As we discuss a little bit here, as I want to discuss some on success, let me read some quotes to get us thinking about this topic. Some quotes that I just, if you were to go look up online, you'll come across a lot on the topic of success. But uh, here was one by Albert Einstein. Strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. To succeed in life, you need two things, said Mark Twain, ignorance and confidence. The stairs of success includes these discipline, late nights, rejections, hard work, sacrifice, failure, hustle, vision, focus, and belief. That one was like a picture that you might see someone put up in their home, and it's got the steps and everything, and kind of list some of those out as the stairs to success, uh, and maybe some of you, and examples of trying to succeed in a test or something have, have been on some of those steps, of late nights, of hard work, of sacrifice, whatever that might be. Um, examples, just even in our own college life, wanted to kind of give some examples of success, Uh, I'm I'm thankful that each one of you successfully got out of bed this morning. And some of you may have roommates that that is a big success, and accomplishment. Uh, When I was in the dorm, uh, I'll I'll try to leave him unnamed, uh, but it uh, it was his duty, I believe, as long as he woke up on time. He didn't do this if he didn't wake up on time. But if he woke up on time, he would land as loud as he could. He was on the second floor and... Then the whole dorm was awake. You had to basically make sure the chandelier stopped swinging from the lower basement uh, when that happened. But it was a success getting out of bed. I hope uh, you know, in a sense, that grades can be levels and measures of success about performance opportunities, whether in music and acting and speech and sports, um, even in graduation, uh, an element some a, a time coming up here soon uh, for. Uh, for different ones in which that is a, a, is a measure, hopefully, of success and hopefully a, a approached with great anticipation. Uh, maybe as teachers, seeing students take steps uh, in the right direction can be a level of success. I have here even another, another element of success that many of you hopefully recognize, right? Right? I was here in year 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. Four out of five is not bad for Judson to be on the board, right? <laughs> uh, another element of success, maybe, in a sense, uh, but whatever it might be, uh, areas in which we can have tendencies to look at as, as areas of success, and not, not necessarily wrong areas. I hope that each one of you strive to get out of bed in the morning, I hope there's elements in which you are striving to be successful in areas of your teaching and areas of your grades. However, I think that many of us can, at times, get a skewed perspective of success from our daily lives and habits. While we should desire to be good stewards of the time and resource that God has given to us, we need to examine our thinking to make sure that we have not become overtaken by wrong motivation for success. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15. We're just going to look here at three verses, 15, 16, and 17. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, I don't know everybody's background and everything, but to give just a little bit of mine, I grew up in a, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a small Christian school, and because the school is a part of the church, I was literally at church almost every day. Uh, when I graduated from Christian school, guess what? I went to Bible college. And so I was surrounded in an environment, in, in a teaching and settings where I was around Scripture a lot. And that may or may not be your story, I don't know. But as, when I read this passage, and passages similar to this, I tend to think, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm the kid who's in the right environments. I'm the one who's, who's in, the, in the settings in which I should be. And I definitely don't love the world or struggle with those types of things, and this passage really is maybe just for me to study and share with others who are, in, who are struggling in a worldly mindset and a worldly thinking. Uh, you know, I would, I would point out that this passage would apply to someone like, by the name of Joe Rivera. Anybody ever heard that name? Just curious. Anybody ever heard? Okay, a couple that I have. Uh, this man, uh, at, at 25 years old, how many 25-year-olds in here? 25 or older. <laughs> okay. At 25 years old, if you're around that age group, he was earning seven figures a year. Some of you would be glad to be earning two figures a year, right? <laughs> this man was earning seven figures a year, and in New York City, he felt like he was on top of the world. Uh, he was a man who was uh, striving in the financial world and, and succeeding, and again, if you were to look at some of those, that stare up success, he was probably doing those self-discipline, late nights, whatever it might be. Uh, well, one of these nights, uh, his, he gave his testimony on a podcast I was listening to. One of these nights, he was offered a pill by a friend to say, hey, your nights, your days will be more productive if you take this pill. And by his own admission, uh, in he, which he said, he was already drinking, he was already taking stuff, you know, he's already doing the uh, different things to help keep him on this life of success. So, hey, what's one more? I can keep it controlled, right? And by his own admission... He took the, uh, the pill that he took that day, took him from Park Avenue to Park Bench, and basically just went down a road of years of addictions that, had, that took all that he was earning, and took all that you had that he could look at as, wow, the world had everything to offer in his mind, and he was on top of it. And yet, again, what Satan can do in, in bringing that all to fruition is just destroying his life. And I could think for a man like this, you know, First John two fifteen this is great love, not the world, right? And yet notice here from the verses in 1 John 2 that we're not being asked to remove ourselves from the world. We're being shown a pattern of thinking that simply hinders a relationship with a Heavenly Father. And it's a pattern of thinking that I think, yes, could Joe Rivera use it, but I think even each one of us in a Christian environment in a setting like we're in can be helped by recognizing and heeding the fact that we need to abide with a Heavenly Father. I think these verses just the way that they they lay out here, uh, lay out a pattern of thinking that is part of our human earthly existence for each of us, and then it goes and shows us here in verse seventeen how what what is God's plan for success. So first, I simply just want to look at the temporal system of success, the temporal system of success. In this system, it lays it out here pretty easily and simply. It says in verse sixteen, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's the world system. It's the, it's, and not just, when I say the world system, it's, it's, sometimes I think we have the tendency to think, well, that's all bad. I don't want to be a part of it. But it's, it's what we live in. It's, it's, it's what surrounds us. It's a part of our, our being, uh, our living here on this earth. Let's just consider a few of these, the lust of the flesh. I've reworded some of them because I think sometimes we have a tendency to think, well, that's not me. We don't want to live there. These are all bad. And yet, The lust of the flesh is is simply a controlling desire to do, right? Controlling desire to do. How many of you have ever had the desire to fly? Anybody ever had the desire to fly? Any of you have dreams where you fly? (laughs) I don't dream very much, but my wife does, and then she takes me on her journeys and her dreams. It's great. Um, How many of you want to skydive? Anybody that has a desire to skydive? Yeah? Yeah. How about traveling? The desire to travel. Anybody have the desire to travel? How about Hawaii? Anybody want to, haven't been, you want to go to Hawaii? That's, that would be a desire to do. I actually wanted to do that uh, for our honeymoon and take it, but with, in the middle of COVID, it was not really the right time to do that. We got married right at the end of 2020, and it just, we didn't want to get stuck in Hawaii only being able to uh, just not be able to do some of the things that we uh, would like to do and going out and seeing some of the sites, and it was kind of restricted. Um, but all that to say, I would love to. It would be a desire that I have, a desire to make it to Hawaii. How about, including in, in the states, how many have the specific desire that you would like to travel to all 50 states? Okay, yeah, see, there's, there's, everybody has within us some desires, maybe some motivations, and others may look at it and think, ah, oh, it's not really a big... Big ambition of mine. Well, if any of you that want to travel to all 50 states want to beat the record of how long it takes to touch each of the 50 states, the current record is 133 hours and 10 minutes to make it to all 50 states. That's in less than five days of, of driving. And then flew. it was three guys, uh, Peter, uh, Pavel, and Abdulai, uh, who all set that record in just in 2020. So if any any three college students want to try to beat that record. You'd have to make it at 130 out, three hours and nine minutes. How many of you have ever wanted, you've been in the concerts and you've seen them playing timpani and after the, tim, after the concert's over you want to go, you just like, wow, I would love to hit that timpani. How many of you want to do that? I did. How many of you just walking through the hallway, nobody's in the building or maybe you think nobody's in the building, you see the gong setting there, <laughs> you're right? Is that okay? I'm not the only one that has had the desire to do. Just want to wail on that just to see what it'll do. <laughs> uh, maybe to do something. Maybe to maybe getting a little more personal. Maybe there's a desire within you. I wish I could be on the media team at Falls, whatever it might be. There's certain elements. You know, it's grown bigger. Uh, back, in, back when I first came in, my brother was the media team. That was the team, you know, and I helped him out and did different things. And obviously, Mr. Hole was there the whole time. Uh, but maybe there's a desire within you, a desire to do that. Uh, maybe a desire uh, to... Uh, different ones that I've talked with, you know, the, the, the percussion realm of a concert can sometimes be the exciting realm and the desire to, boy, whoa, I wish I could be a part of that element of the concert, whatever that might be, to make a lot of loud noises and do it drastically. Uh, but the desire there to do, I think that's an element in which it, these are areas in which each one of us, okay, these, this is this is a part of our human temporal existence. And No, not that they're all wrong, but things that we have to be in consideration of. Lust of the flesh, it lists here uh, 16. It says lust of the flesh and then also the lust of the eyes. I've written this down as a compulsive urge to have, a compulsive urge to have. Um, I think everybody's desires can be different in areas. For myself, I would much rather, if I had money unlimited, rather have a big truck that could pull all the fancy toys. My wife, my wife would love to have the fancy sport car. How many are in that category? Would love the fancy sport car. To me, it's not worth it to just go out and drive on the roads. I want to be able to have the truck to pull the toys that we can go off-roading, right? Okay, so that, that would be kind of maybe a desire, a compulsive urge to have. I work in construction, and uh, I love tools. Uh, I love tools. How many guys love Milwaukee tools? Yeah? There's some, there's some out there. Um, if any of you are in this area, you got to go check out Nye's tool Cell that they're having right now, okay? I know you guys don't have money, so maybe don't do it, but uh, it really can be addictive, a desire to have. They pack that magazine full, and they know what they're doing and getting you there to desire it, uh, and so that would be an urge that I have, a compulsive urge to have sometimes. I, I even have to, uh, I have to, I, I basically keep a small stash of cash as I get little things aside and that's kind of like my tool. That's my tool fund, right? I try to, try to keep it off to the side and uh, try to build it because when the tool sale comes along, I want to buy everything that's there. Uh, how about current styles? Clothes, the desire to have, whatever it might be, as, as you can watch a trend, even within a college, a Bible college, there can be desires that, boy, I wish I could you know, have that style, wish I could look like that, wish I could be this. The urge to have how about the newest technology, uh, you know, I was I was there in college at one point, and as also being the younger, young, young, not the youngest, but on the younger end of our of our family, when the I don't remember what iPhone it was when it, there was one that came out, and I was the first one to get it, and there was a status level that I had. I felt like even within my family, from a younger from a younger sibling, I enjoyed having the newest phone even over my siblings, and how that can how that urge can be there, and was it was it necessarily a wrong? No, not necessarily but I think that we can get miscued, and that is uh, here like an element of the world that we live in. How about friends? I think we can be controlled by desire to have friends, by our actions and what we're doing, uh, by by uh, even what where we spend our time, and sometimes just the desire to have that status level maybe amongst friends. How about someone's ability to communicate? How many, maybe even as you're in a you know, for men in a preacher's class or an evangelist class, or maybe you're in testimony chapel and you think, wow, I really, well, I wish I had that ability to communicate. Is that a wrong desire? Not necessarily, but it is if it consumes you. How about someone's testimony? Sometimes I think we can uh, grow up, maybe in our different environments, and we hear someone else's testimony, their life story, what God did, and we can think, boy, I wish I had that testimony because I would able to have a story that's actually worth sharing and we can have really have that desire that urge to have Uh, the other point that's given here is the pride of life I wrote this down as a concern a consuming urge to be consuming urge to be this is not one of mine but how many of you would love to be in politics anybody would love to be in politics my wife kind of would like to be I I think right is that still right honey Yes, she would love to be in politics, all right? That is no desire on my part, but maybe that is for you. The consuming urge to be. How about being famous or being a hero? I know as a younger boy, I always loved telling stories in which I was the one who was the hero, and there's an element, I think, each, in, within each one of us, we carry that into life, that we, we enjoy that. There, there's an element of which we maybe would enjoy that, even in a, in a realm like this, to be the one who could be the, at the forefront, Consuming urge to be. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's to be a president of one of the four fellowships. Wow, that would be great, right? Who's current who's currently the president of, of the fellowships? What four presidents? We got who's president of Taylor? We don't know? Wow. Okay. All right, how about president of Judson? Hey, there we go. I like that. All right. How about Fraser? Sergio? Good. And? Last one? Go for it. Yeah, good. All right, Quincy. Um, no, but all those, uh, okay, whatever it might be, so there, I think in, a, in an element, maybe we can have that. Maybe different ones can, can have that desire. And again, not that, I'm not at all saying that those positions are wrong or even wrong to have that desire, but to be consumed by them can be the error in it. Uh, maybe the desire can be to be the number one fellowship. You know, I kind of toted that at the beginning, how much judgment was on it. And yet, could that be a wrong uh, desire, an urge to be? Uh, maybe to be noticed for your talent, to be noticed for who you are, sometimes even as a person, uh, to be noticed in your area of maybe you feel like you have an area of acting or music or teaching or sports and feel like you want to be noticed in that. Uh, maybe it's to be a part of some music or traveling group that's going on. That was always popular and I think still is within our college. can be something that, boy, to be a part of that group, to be a part of that element, to be a part of uh, that ministry during the summer, that is what would really be on my bucket list. Maybe on your bucket list is to be the next Scrooge for the Christmas program. I don't know. Maybe that desire is there for you. It's not for me, but uh, for, for you, that might be your next bucket list. All of, all of these things, I would say, to put it simply, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the key for us to realize as we look here at this passage, look with me at verse 17, it says, And the world passeth away. All of these things that can, be, uh, that can either uh, be a desire to do, an urge to have, or an urge to be, it's all temporary. It all, none of this in, in, this, in this world system, this earthly life, it all dies. It's not success. And I think while we understand this truth sometimes in our theology, sometimes in our thinking as we're out witnessing, I do think that we can forget that even in our daily tasks and in our ministries, in our fellowships, in our classes, we can be consumed by everything that is temporal. We can be consumed by some of these things that, you, like, wrong to have those desires. God, there is an element in being a part of this, uh, of this earth that these are going to be there and things that we can even maybe laugh about, interact with and have a table conversation about. And yet, we have to be careful that we don't become too busy being successful to abide. I think the point here that Christ uh, that God, uh, is made here in, this, uh, in verse 17 is really what is key to this whole passage. Look at it with me here at the end of verse 17. It says, "But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." You know that God's eternal, what God's eternal plan for success is? It's for you and I to abide in Him doing His will. It's a godly relationship of daily and complete victory. You know that this relationship uh, that each one of us can have, it starts by accepting the life that the Son has to offer. Now, I know in saying that, it, it's, it's very simple, and we're going to look here at two verses that, that should be common to all of us, but turn with me to John 14 and verse 6. John 14, verse 6 is a, a verse that is short, something I've preached on in the bridge, and we've gone through several elements there in our addictions ministry. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says of himself, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So here you see the element of Christ say, saying, This, I, I am the life. I am the one who wants to be your life. In, in 1 John 5:12, if you want to turn there, 1 John 5:12 says, He that hath the Son hath life. You know that. For each one of us, if I was to preach this in our in our bridge ministry, one of the first things i 'm going to make sure obviously first and foremost it starts with Jesus Christ at salvation right yes that's in it that, that's the first the first moment for us to start on that journey of life is salvation but I think here and even now you know looking at first John this was a, a message here to believers a message to be reminded that Jesus Christ just just as you received him at salvation he 's your life today and starts in each one of our lives by accepting Christ as that life. Not just as we accepted him for that eternal salvation, because I think sometimes we can kind of put Jesus in a box of saying, wow, thank you so much for the salvation, and when I die, I've got security, right? Like, yes, we could all, I'm sure, answer and say, I'm I'm eternally saved. I'm eternally secure. When I pass away from this earth, I'm going to be able to enjoy that life everlasting. Yes, I have him as my life. And yet, do you have him as your life today? Have you accepted him today for the tasks and the journeys and the things that maybe you would struggle with or maybe you'd find victories in? Is he your life today? Uh, In our bridge program, uh, often I'm working with many that are living in the temporal and yes, while I've tried to relate this message to some of the temporal things that might be within, within a college, you know, in a, in a bridge program, you're working with people that on a, on a weekly, sometimes daily basis, they're recognizing, yeah, I'm living in the temporal and it's not working. I'm living in a life that, of, of depression, of drugs, of, of addiction that I want out. I, I want life. And so when they read this verse, it, it often will, will come alive, and as we've talked about it with different ones, if they will apply it and put this into practice It's very key. And yet, what about for us? Maybe growing up in a Christian home, maybe in a Bible college, Uh, how are you putting this into practice of seeing Christ as your daily life? I think sometimes it can be harder for individuals like us who simply read this and we don't recognize that we as well are living in that temporal. We as well are sometimes consumed by these desires um, I've challenged the bridge those in, in our program and our ministry. I think so often, yes, we, we can accept Christ as salvation, and yet we leave him on the cross for our daily lives. When it, comes to, when it comes to our eternal security, thank you for saving us, and yet he's still hanging there because we haven't accepted him for our daily victory today. And I want to challenge us here today, That, yes, we can thank him for eternal life, but don't fail to recognize that he has provided everything you need to live your life in victory today. Eternal success starts by acknowledging Christ and his life lived through me on a daily basis. You know, this life, while it starts with Christ and, and an element in which I do believe that we need to be better at accepting that on a daily basis to move forward in, it also continues in a daily interactive relationship. In John 14, verse 6, it was very simple there that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And I believe that was meant to be every day that we come unto the Father. You know, as we continue uh, in, in a daily interactive relationship with God, we have the privilege of interacting with an eternal God. You know, why we live in a temporal world, why we live in a world that, like, you and I cannot see into the future, and yet we can interact with a God who does. And when you and I take the time to interact and abide, as it, as it explains here in 1 John 2, verse 17, to, to do with the will of God abideth forever, guess what? We're interacting with a God who's eternal, a God who sees beyond the realm of even our own lives and gives us an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We have that privilege to interact. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Do you know you have that privilege today to draw nigh to your God? Do you know you have the privilege of an eternal heavenly father drawing nigh to you? That's today. Abiding with God leads us to proper thinking in our daily lives. Look with me at Romans 12, 1 and 2 would be a verse I would think you would familiar with uh, through different classes or uh, things that you've been in. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And just recognizing that as we are submitted to a relationship with God, He transforms by the renewing of your mind. So as we are abiding in a relationship with an almighty, eternal God, that is successful life. And that is where we find the victory in our daily lives to interact with, yes, these temporal desires, these temporal things that we're doing. Psalm 61, verse 7 and 8, He shall abide... Before God forever, O oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. You know that you and I need to be in abiding relationship every day to perform our vows? To perform what we are doing, and not in a sense of, of performing for to be accepted by him, but abiding in him and then accomplishing his will, his task that he sent us to do. I'm going to Give a, just a personal story, hopefully, to kind of relate and pull this all together here. I was a senior uh, as a Bible college student here at BCM. How many seniors? Raise your hand if you're a senior. All right, I was right there. This is the time. I was the president of the Judson Fellowship. Raise your hand if you're a president of any fellowship. Okay, we got several. We already went through them. I was an RA at the dorms. How many RAs do we have in here? Raise your hand if you were an RA of any, of guys or girls dorm? Do they have RAs in girls dorm? Maybe they don't, I don't know. (laughs) I only saw guys raising their hands, so that's what I was asking. I was a teen leader. How many of you are leaders in the teens? Any any teen leaders? Got a couple? All right. This was the stage where I was at, and yet I was finding myself falling short of my standard for success that I developed over my years as a Bible college student because I had become busy with the temporal system. I was failing and struggling under the weight of my responsibilities. And in essence, I began to blame the college. Blame the college for giving me so many responsibilities, but also blamed myself because I couldn't handle it all. As my lists were were growing in areas that I was failing in, and I was even becoming frustrated with the staff and faculty, not because I blamed them, but because they didn't have answers for me. Here I was in, within the system, within an within a, a environment that, yes, I should, be, I should be a successful life, right? And yet their answer was, you need to go to your Bible and find it. And that was frustrating to me because I thought that's where I was because I was checking off whenever the things come up. I had my time with God. Sure, I did that. And it finally came to a point for me, like I said, it was here, here my senior year, uh, president, RA. I was ready to be done ready to move forward. I don't know what that, I don't know what that would look like as I obviously as you're, you're maybe uh, have found yourself in similar situations as you prepared for different things and you're just ready to be done. You know, I've, I took a Saturday, um, a Saturday morning, I, I set it aside and I just decided, you know what, I'm ready to be done, but I'm going to talk with God about it. And it was in this moment that I found very clearly a moment of drawing nigh to God. And you know, God's principle of draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you is a promise for us. And as I took it that Saturday morning, he began to show me that I had developed a skewed pattern of success in which I had pursued what I could do, who I could be, what I had to offer, more than I had pursued doing his will and abiding with him. Making the choice to be in a godly environment or coming from a good family, it was a great choice, but it's not enough. I needed a daily, interactive relationship with God to overcome my wrong thinking of success. You know, I'd written my list of failures down. I actually had physically done that on a piece of paper, and the list was constantly growing of the areas that I was failing in, in multiple of these areas. And yet he so graciously encouraged me that Saturday morning that I'd set aside some time to just get with him. He encouraged me as I poured out my heart, my frustrations, and challenged me that he wanted to take and turn all of those failures and wrong thinking and patterns into victories if I would walk with him. And you know, just to be honest, I'm no longer in any of these roles. I'm not the president of Judson Fellowship. <laughs> I'm not in Bible college. I'm not a, I'm not a senior anymore. I'm not an RA in any of the dorms. And I say all that to say those were temporal, but keep in mind, I did need to be in all of those. So yes, while we live in a temporal world, this doesn't mean we remove ourselves from the situation. I found myself in these temporal roles, and I wasn't succeeding because I had a skewed perspective of what success looked like. I was pursuing the temporal instead of the eternal relationship of abiding with God. So I don't know what it is, in application for you, maybe for you as a student. Are you so focused on being a successful Bible college student that you've forgotten to meet with your Savior? Maybe for you as a teacher, whether of a class, whether of a student, I don't know, but have you become overwhelmed on being a successful teacher in your communication skills, maybe in your wealth of knowledge, maybe in the lesson preparation, or maybe even figuring out troublesome students, and yet becoming so overwhelmed in the success in those areas you've forgotten to spend moments on a daily basis with the Savior offers you daily life and victory. For someone in any sort of leadership here as a president, as an RA, as a dorm leader, as a small group leader, have you been overtaken by a motivation for success that has left you no time to hear from your Savior and to abide in him. So let me ask you, when was the last time that you set some time aside to draw nigh to your God? Have you in any way become consumed with the temporal existence and not allowed time for an eternal God? You know, the world and its system offers us a temporal pattern of success. Can there be success there? Can there be achievements? Yes. But it's temporal and it's going to pass away. So let us remember and take advantage of God's promise to abide with us. A daily really interactive relationship with an eternal God will keep us from a shoot of success. So you and I can have true eternal success every day of our lives.